we cannot afford to allow the legislature to decide what issues are important to us. We have to make that decision for ourselves. And, and, and you know, we've had a good session today. One of the things that we do know, if people of faith don't speak out and speak up, someone will speak up for us. Welcome to Baptist Without an Adjective, a podcast of Word and Way. I'm your host, Word and Way editor and president, Brian Kaler. On this program, we'll hear from Baptists from across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. At Word and Way, we've been informing and inspiring Baptists since 1896. Learn more about us at wordandway.org. This episode is sponsored in part by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. The Cooperative Baptist Fellowship is a network of people and churches working together to spread the hope of Christ. For more than 25 years, CBF has been driven by its mission to serve Christians and churches as they discover and fulfill their God-given mission. Join the fellowship at work in long-term global missions in more than 25 countries. Join them too as they strive to form healthy congregations and support the ministers that serve them. Put your faith to action. Visit cbf.net to get connected. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation with W.T. Edmondson. He's an associate pastor at Second Baptist Church in Jefferson City, Missouri. Back in 2014, he was a member of the Medicaid 23. It was a group that did a civil disobedience protest at the Missouri State Capitol, urging for Medicaid expansion. They ended up getting arrested, and eventually it was a long trial. He's going to be talking about that. This is a special episode. It was the first episode of Baptist Without an Adjective that had a live audience at the time of its recording, more than just a couple of people in the room. We recorded this interview as one of the sessions at the Heartland Advocacy Conference that was held February 8th at First Baptist Church in Jefferson City. This was a conference that was co-sponsored by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, by CBF Heartland, by ChurchNet, and by Word and Way. I led a couple of sessions and then also conducted this interview with WT as another way of thinking about faith-based advocacy and ways of speaking out and trying to make a difference in local and state government. So it was fun to have that audience participation, some cheering, a couple of questions at the end of the interview from audience members. And I think you'll enjoy this conversation because it's a, it's a very unique topic. But before we get to that, I do want to play just a short clip to set the stage of what the protest itself was. So here's going to be a little bit of audio of the Medicaid 23 protest that happened in the Missouri State Capitol back in 2014. The, the actual protest went on for several minutes. You can find some videos of it online. But here's a little bit of the audio as they were urging state senators, as they interrupted a session of the Senate. In fact, you'll hear the gaveling of the Senate going out of session. They interrupted the Senate to urge for Medicaid expansion. So here's a little bit of the protest to kind of help you know what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> Yeah. 
So after we had spent most of the day on February 8th talking about how to be an effective advocate with local and state government, we had this conversation with WT for a little bit of a, another picture of what happens when state government won't listen. What might an option be for you? And so WT is going to explain why he felt compelled to join this effort and the consequences and impact of that particular protest. So here's my live interview at the Heartland Advocacy Conference with W.T. Edmondson of the Medicaid 23. First of all, W.T., thanks for joining us here at the Heartland Advocacy Conference and for being on Baptist Without an Adjective. Well, thanks for the invitation. I'm glad to have you on here because you've had me on your television show on the local JC Public Access, so I'm glad to be able to return the favor here a little bit for you. Okay. And I also want to note this is our first live episode where we've had more than a couple people in the room. So we have the rest of the participants at Heartland Advocacy. Excellent. So let's set the stage. The Affordable Care Act passed in 2010, and it included provision for Medicaid expansion to help more people who live just barely over the poverty line qualify for coverage. In Missouri, there are an estimated 124,000 people in that coverage gap because the state has not accepted Medicaid expansion. So before we get to your actions in the state capitol, I want to first ask, so why did this issue gain your attention as a minister to speak out? Well, I guess back in 1999, uh, I was a member of the NAACP, and uh, Reverend David Brent who was the president of the NAACP at the time. He had been given a few months to live. I was just a member of the NAACP. Not the first vice president, not the second vice president, I was just a member. His wife called me and asked me to come. I went to his house, into his bedroom, and he said, WT, I want you to be the president of the NAACP. That was my introduction to social justice. And so as time went on, various things happened. A member of the National Guard came to me in my office and indicated there were some discrimination taking place in the National Guard. Uh, he was a member of the Fulton National Guard. And he said some discrimination was taking place and uh, he wanted to file a complaint with the NAACP. From that, I said, okay, uh, I will entertain it. I said, but the gentleman that you are talking about needs to come see me as well and indicate that he is willing to go forward with this complaint. His name was Major James Tate. He was coming out of St. Louis, coming to Fulton to, to lead the National Guard there. And we talked for a while and he said, yeah, I'm ready to go. I said, okay, you have to be willing to to go all the way. I wrote a letter to then Governor Mel Carnahan, not thinking that he was going to re respond. He responded and said that we received your complaint and we're going to investigate the situation. The Adjutant General from the National Guard contacted me and came and met with us. And from there, I understood that, you know, when you receive a complaint or there's something before you, 
Either you can shut it down saying, I don't have a chance at it, or you can say, I'm going to do the best I can to make a difference with it. And that's basically how I got involved in social justice. And when Medicaid expansion came in, I had been active with uh, Faith Voices. It wasn't a zero Faith Voices at the time. Uh, we had established a Faith Voices for Jefferson City. And so when Reverend Hartsfield and that group out of Kansas City said, we need to bring black clergy throughout the state to Jefferson City. And we met at Quinn Chapel, talked about various issues. And from there, various issues start you know, bubbling to the top. And one of the things that we said that we need to be a presence. And Medicaid expansion came up. The Affordable Health Care Act passed, but Missouri had decided that everything else federal was okay, but health care wasn't. And so we decided that we needed to make a presence. So from there, we started going to the legislatures, visiting their offices, telling them our position and so forth, writing letters. Nothing seemed to move legislature. So the decision was made, okay, we need to have a presence and we're going to demonstrate. Good. So let's let's talk That's about that demonstration. So in May of 2014, as that year's Missouri legislative session was nearly to an end, it ends in the middle of May, about 300 people rallied in the Capitol to urge the state lawmakers to finally approve Medicaid expansion. And then 23 clergy members, including yourself, several other Baptists, others from other denominations, right mostly African-American, but there was some other clergy, went into the Senate and started chanting for Medicaid expansion. There was the quoting of Bible verses. There was some singing. And you were all asked to leave. You were arrested, but it was kind of a, it was prearranged. They would tap and you would leave peacefully. Correct, correct. Right. So why did you take this action? Uh, I know you tried the traditional advocacy, but why why civil disobedience? You know, the the decision was basically made that, like you said, Pre-arrangement has had taken place. We had individuals from the NWCP, Rod Chapter, who's a local NWCP and an attorney here locally, went to the Capitol, spoke with the Capitol Police, told them what we were going to be doing, and that we were going to have a peaceful disobedience and what it was would look like. And so the decision was made that, well, once the action was taken, the officer would come to you, tap you on your shoulder, and says, you are arrested. Don't go immediately. Stay around. But when they tap you the second time, then follow through and go with the officer. And that's what we did. Uh, we were, snapshot was taken. They call it a mugshot. And fingerprint. And so that's basically what it was saying. And we, we did not think that anything else was going to happen from there. Uh, that because the decision was made that, that we would be arrested and we would be released on our own recognizance. That's, how, that's what we thought we were going to be. Well, we'll get to the rest of the story in a moment. But I want to ask you if you could describe what it was, what it was like being in the Senate chamber on May 6, 2014, while this was happening. Yeah. Um, it, 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 was, it was a rush. You know, we came into the Capitol singing and chanting, and 
So they knew we were coming. And once we got into the gallery, we sat there for a while, and then a chant started taking. There was an individual that was going to lead the chants and so forth. And so as we were chanting and, and praying and so forth, we heard the gavel. Mike Kehoe, see, Mike Kehoe was, was, was in charge at that morning, hit the gavel, hit the gavel, and so they decided that they were going to recess. And that's when we continued to chant and we were getting arrested at the time. As you've already alluded, you know, often when these protests happen, it is someone's asked to leave, yeah. right? And that's it. And, and, you know, as long as they leave peacefully, they go home right. and that's, that's the end of it, other than maybe, you know, some news attention if that. But eventually the local prosecutor, in a surprise, decided to take you all to court in a mass trial in 2016 on charges of obstructing the Senate and trespassing. You each faced up to six months in jail and up to a $500 fine. And I wonder if you could tell us what that, what that trial experience was like. Well, after we got out of the surprise of it, because we did not expect to have to go to trial, first of all, and we never, we, we tried to figure out what was his motive for taking us to trial when the Senate has the right to take care of its own issues through the Capitol Police. And they decide whether or not action is going to be taken. So why he chose to do that, we never could figure that quite out. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there, whether or not someone pushed him to do it or how he came to that decision. But it, it surprised us. And fortunately, we had already had engaged Rod Chapel to work with us. The surprising part of that, though, was that Representative Jay Barnes, who's a Republican. So they worked together on our case. And so that, that was a situation where those of us who were in the, in the gallery chanting and praying and so forth, we felt we had the right, a right to do it. And the Senate apparently felt that we had the right to do it. And so I'm sure later on through in your question, we will get back to that aspect of it. Uh, but, but, but senators themselves figured, felt that we had a right to be there and voice our opinions. So, you know, for instance, the, the senator who was speaking at the time said that she didn't feel like that you all had been an interruption and right. had obstructed the Senate. Right, right. And, you know, after we went to trial, surprisingly, a couple of senators came into court and testified on our behalf. A Democrat and a Republican who actually disagrees with you on Medicaid absolutely, expansion absolutely. came and said he defended you all. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you all were found not guilty of the charge of obstruction in the Senate, but you were found guilty on the trespassing charge. The jury did re refuse to recommend prison, uh, and so then it was going to be left up to the judge to eventually offer some sort of fine or whatever mm -hmm. that penalty. While, while all that was happening, because the judge did not initially offer a sentence on that, 16 of you asked for and received a pardon from outgoing Governor Jay Nixon, and six others were eventually sentenced to one year of unsupervised pro probation in 2017. What has the consequence or the impact of all of this been since that time? Well, you know, one of the things that uh, as we were realized that we were going to have to go to 
trial. Lawyers don't work for free. <laughs> and many of us don't really think about the fact that during the civil rights movement, when all of these people were being arrested, going to jail, there were, there were a cadre of people behind them raising money to pay attorneys to represent them, paying to get them out of jail. And we were confronted with that. Some of us, we, we uh, decided that we would, hey, we'll write the check, you know, pay our share of the attorney fees. And, and of course, uh, Missouri Faith Forces, of course, assisted with that. But that's one aspect of demonstration and protest that you really don't think about. But when it's all said and done, being in court, understanding the ramifications behind being in court, knowing that you could, in fact, receive a record for being in court, uh, you know, it, 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 it gives pause of thought. But at the same time, as a person of faith, you one, we were there because we felt it was the right thing to do. And once you make that decision, you have to be prepared to suffer the consequences behind it. I think the fact that we did it raised the consciousness of the importance of Medicaid expansion. And I think it may have moved some folks who really had not thought about it to the extent that, that if people of faith, preachers are willing to go to jail so that I can help health care, then maybe we need to think about this. That was our hope and the impression that we were trying to have upon the legislature. That wasn't quite it. <laughs> it didn't go that way, that way. But I think it was a beneficial action. And it says to, to, to us that whether we win or lose, the fact that people of faith step out front put their lives on the line and say basically that, you know, I believe in this issue and I'm ready to confront it and take whatever consequences that come behind it. We'll be right back with the rest of this interview, but first I want to let you know about a couple of special offers from Word and Way magazine. You enjoy the podcast, but if you're not a subscriber to our award-winning monthly magazine, you really are still missing out. And I want to make it easier for you to try it. $9.95 for one year, that's 50% off. All you have to do is go to tinyurl.com slash wwoffer. That's tinyurl.com slash wwoffer and try out our monthly magazine. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. And for those of you who are subscribers, thank you. If you would like to help some of your friends at your church also subscribe to Word and Way, we have an offer for you as well. We'll send a bundle of issues from one month that can be distributed for free at your church so that other people can check out Word and & Way and see why they too should want to subscribe. And all you have to do is go to tinyurl.com slash wwbundle and we will send that free bundle to your church to be distributed. That's tinyurl.com slash wwbundle. Now here's the rest of our conversation. You mentioned the attention that this brought. I, mean, I was living in Virginia at the time and suddenly see on the national news clips first of this uh, interviews with a couple 
of you. It was only later that I moved back to Jefferson City that I met you and realized what a peaceful, nice person you were. You know, not after seeing you getting arrested at the Capitol, you know, national television. But it really did bring a lot of attention. Now, it hasn't worked, as right. you mentioned. Missouri is, is still one of the 14 states that has not expanded Medicaid. And so I guess the question then is, you know, was it worth it? Yeah, I, I think it was. Well, I don't think I know it was worth it because I think the, that action, I think, moved even individuals who were active with Missouri Faith Voices. I think it moved them to another dimension, understanding it is one thing to sit in the meetings and philosophize and talk about issues, but it's another to step out front and say, I'm ready to confront the issue. And once you make that determination that you're, you're prepared to confront the issues, you have to also be prepared to accept the consequences of that issue. There are more issues out there, more concerns out there than we have time to discuss. And we cannot afford to allow the legislature to decide what issues are important to us. We have to make that decision for ourselves. And, and, and you know, we've had a good session today. One of the things that we do know, if people of faith don't speak out and speak up, someone will speak up for us. And we can't afford people to speak for us because we don't know where they're coming from. We think we know where they're coming from, but we cannot be sure. And so we have to make sure that our position is clearly known. Uh, you know, we have a, a tremendous executive director, Reverend Gould, who now have full-time capacity to do this work. And so that's an opportunity for us to really go into places that ordinarily we would not go because she has the time to do that. But I, I just think that, you know, with the climate that we're in now, if people of faith don't speak up, we're in serious, serious situation. So I wonder, what have you learned about the political process? I mean, you were, you were already involved in advocacy, but what did you learn from, from this protest and the trial and all of that? What did you learn about our politics? Let me speak to this before. While we were in trial, before we even got to trial, sitting there listening to our attorneys and the prosecutor's attorneys deciding who we're going to sit in the jury. And it's amazing how people are pushed out of not sitting on a jury. I was in a class at Lincoln University and a young lady who was in that same class and you know asking questions and she said yes well I was in a class with him and that kept her off the jury not because of anything other than the fact that she was in a class with me and at the same time some of the other people who got on the jury from the prosecutor's side I think one was a situation where Either she had babysitted for him or something of that nature. She was placed on the jury. So, so you know, it's amazing how juries are packed uh, for their benefit. But one of the things that comes out of setting in a trial, the last morning of the trial, they had double booked. So we had to sit there and wait while a young man came forward. He was in his orange jumpsuit, 
a young man. And from all appearances, there were no one there supporting him. He had plea bargained. And, you know, that's one of those situations, it just, it just hit me how often young people are arrested, taken to trial, and because, one, they're young a lot of times, and they, whatever the, the, their prosecutors say, well, if you don't, I can give you two years instead of 10, they sign this plea. They don't have enough prosecute, uh, public defenders. So a lot of these young people end up going to prison because of lack of representation. So sitting there and watching this young man being sent to prison, knowing that he had not received just defense, it was an eye-opening opener for, for me. But then getting into the fact that the judge decided that um, this case was going to not be decided, and it was postponed, I don't know how many times, right? <laughs> and so, so here you are just kind of in limbo and thinking of, you know, I'm thinking about how many young people who are in limbo not knowing what's going to happen because their, their case has been just kept pushed back and back and back. And so that was one of the, one of the experiences that, that really, it was a, just a quick glimpse of our justice system. And there again is a lot of work that I think the faith community can have some impact on because young people are being arrested every day for minor cases. They don't have representation. They don't have the money, the resources to hire an attorney. And anyone tell you, you're a fool to go to court without an attorney. But in most cases, you can't afford to go get you an attorney. So a lot of times, these young people are, are being railroaded through the system because they don't have the resources and there's not enough public defenders to adequately represent them. So I think that's one of the things that, that I looked at. But as far as the job that we have to do as advocates for social justice, I think we have to be prepared to continue to step out and do whatever we can to confront the system. The system, you know, the people within the system and representing the system is not the problem. It's the system. And so we have to dismantle that system. And the only way we dismantle the system is confront the system. Well, I have one more question for you, and then we're going to open it up for a couple of questions. If there's anyone else here who would like to walk up here to the microphone and maybe say their name and ask a question. Though, obviously, you don't spend all of your time protesting at the Capitol and getting arrested. So I just wanted to give you a little chance to tell us a little bit more about who you are, your ministry at Second Baptist Church in Jefferson City. Well, I'm the assistant minister at Second Baptist Church. I was calling into the ministry late in life, uh, just six and a half years ago. And I don't know about any other ministers, but, um, you know, this is something that I never thought I would be. And I was, I knew I had been called five or six years prior to that. But when, when you are pushed in a position, and I think that the Lord sometimes do push us in places that we don't want to go. We accept the fact that 
he has prepared us all along the way. Okay, I, I never thought that my mind was as far from social justice as anyone's. I attended, I was a member of the NAACP because I think I thought it was a good organization doing the right thing. And I started going to the meeting to support, nothing else. And so I place a lot of, of where I am based on the fact that the Lord led me, he stepped away as to where I would end up. And so the fight for social justice to me is, it's a God thing. Uh, this is where I'm supposed to be. My wife is from Selma, Alabama. And so her parents were, you know, very active in the civil rights movement. So ordinarily you think that she would be the one out here. But the thing here is that there are more work out here to do than we have workers to do it. And uh, I take, I've accepted the Lord's call and, you know, social justice is my ministry. Does someone have a question? WT, thank you for sharing with us today. It's been inspirational. I was surprised when you said that that young men are being, uh, and, and women I suppose too, mm -hmm. are, are being sort of railroaded to accept guilty pleas and wind up in jail. The uh, Miranda statement, as I remember it, says, if you cannot afford attorney, one will be provided for you. Is it the police or the prosecutors who talk people into pleas before they ever have a chance to to get a, an attorney? Well, I think the thing here is this, you, and you probably have heard, uh, there are attempts being made to for, for municipalities to receive more funding from the state so they can hire more public defenders. Because if you have one public defender, the number of cases that that public defender has, there's no way possible that he's going to give adequate representation. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so in order to move these cases along, you know, they do, a, they do the job that they can possibly do, but it's not a good job because they simply don't have the time and, and, and in order to give everyone that maximum job that, that is needed. And so I think the thing here is that as, as, as people of faith, as uh, citizens of, of the state, we should be lobbying and trying to get legislators to better fund public defenders. Good. My name's Reed. I was wondering how you advise somebody to get more involved in social justice. It is very easy. Once you have the feeling within yourself that there is a wrong, and, and your wrong may, may be something that I would never think about. You know, you see a wrong that is being taken, that is being taken, has taken place, and you feel passionate about it. There is someone who also feel passionate about that issue. And if you can't find someone, Missouri Faith Voices is here to say, here's an individual that we can direct you to to assist you in getting a LinkedIn so that you can work your passion. Because one of the more important things, as I see, whatever the issue is, everyone doesn't have the passion for the same thing. You know, your passion could be, let's say, disabilities, for instance. You see a wrong being done in the disability arena. 
this is your passion. This is what you're going to work on. We'll find someone to match you up. It's, it's just a matter of stepping out and letting it be known that you want to work an issue. We'll find a way, a place for you. Thank you. Okay. WT, thank you so much for your time with us today okay. and for sharing your story, but also just for your, your witness that you have offered in sometimes public ways and in many quiet ways that, that aren't often noticed and seen. And we, I appreciate you and all that you are doing here in our community, in our state. And I want to note before we close up that there is an effort by Missouri Faith Voices, we've, we've talked about them, to, to expand Medicaid. This right. is not an issue that's, that's over. And so there's petition drives that are happening to get that on the ballot. Essentially, the, the state legislators aren't going to pass mm-hmm. it. So can we get this on the ballot? It's a citizen's initiative and have the, the citizens of Missouri vote. So people can go to MissouriFaithVoices.org to find out more information about joining that petition mm-hmm. effort. So that maybe your shouts in the Capitol might eventually mm-hmm. might eventually make a difference here in actually getting this to happen. So thanks again for your time. And uh, thanks one more time to our wonderful audience. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. You can learn more about Second Baptist Church in Jefferson City, Missouri at 2ndbaptistchurchjcmo.net. As always, you can find us at wordandway.org. Don't forget to check out our sponsoring partner for this week's episode, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship at cbf.net. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope that you will share it with your friends on Facebook. Head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and write a positive review to help more people to find the show. You can find easy-to-share links at podcast.wordandway.org. If you'd like to give to support this program, we'd greatly appreciate it. And all you have to do at wordandway.org is hit the donate button, and whatever you give there will help support the production of this podcast, as well as our website and monthly magazine. Don't forget that special offer on the magazine at tinyurl.com slash wwoffer. If you have any comments or feedback about the program, please send them to me at bkaler at wordandway.org. Thanks for listening.